Hello, everyone, and welcome to Special Ed Rising, No Parent Left Behind. I'm your host, Mark Ingracia, and I have been an active member in the field of special education for 35 years as a classroom teacher, tutor, parent, trainer, consultant, and advocate. Thank you so much for joining me. This is a podcast for parents and caregivers of children along the spectrum of disabilities as an information hub and promoter for the advancement of people with disabilities in all areas of life. So if you're interested in learning about topics from the world of exceptional needs, educational services, health and wellness, fitness, nutrition for you and your child, and more, this is the place for you. If you like the show, please subscribe, like, comment, and tell your friends about it. And for some extra help to inform your journey, visit the resource page of my website, specialedrising.com. I would love to feature your success stories on the show, so if you'd like to contribute, please send them to my email so we can show the world what's possible. In this episode, I'm proud to bring you my interview with two authors, the mother and son team behind the children's book, Robbie the Dyslexic Taxi and the Airport Adventure, Lynn and Jonathan Greenberg. Lynn Greenberg is the happiest wife, mom, and grandma. A very retired attorney who loves to cook, exercise, and read, she's seen how positivity with feelings and differences can allow children to grow into happy, productive adults. Born with dyslexia, Jonathan Greenberg could not read and write like many other children his age. So, instead of giving in to frustration, Jonathan used his struggle as a catalyst for creativity, expressing his ideas through art. Having overcome his learning difficulty, Jonathan has fallen in love with reading. Robbie the Dyslexic Taxi and the Airport Adventure exemplify Jonathan's passion for writing and illustration. Together with Lynn, they are already thinking of other stories featuring neurodiverse characters that complement this book. I'm excited to share their story with you, so won't you please join me in welcoming Lynn and Jonathan to the podcast for a super positive win. Hello, Lynn and Jonathan. How are you? We're well, thanks. How are you? I'm great. Nice to see you too. It's great to meet you and such a delight to have you on this program. I really appreciate it. I'm really excited to talk to you about your experiences writing this book, the experiences before, during, and after. So I'd love to get into that. But before I start, I wanted to kind of ask you, maybe you could share something about each of yourselves that people wouldn't know necessarily from you, something just fun, something that people can know a little extra about. Whoever wants to go first. I'll go. Uh, Currently, I'm at the School of Art Institute in Chicago getting a graduate degree uh, hope to use that towards making more books in the future like this. John is my youngest of four. I'm a happy, proud mom, mother-in-law, grandmother, you name it, wife. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I have lots of hats and I'm, I'm happy to be sharing my, my author hat as well today. <laughs> From what I've seen, you know, you dip your feet in a lot of different things and uh, have a lot of different passions. And I'd love to know more about your background and, and uh, you know, what brought you to this point today. So maybe, Lynn, you could share a little bit and then we can ask Jonathan, you could share a little bit about your background. Sure. Um, I am a very, very retired lawyer. <laughs> um, I've had a cookie business and I've done lots of different things, but I've mostly stayed home uh, to help raise our four kids. John um, is went to a wonderful school that was not close by. So I spent a lot of time, we spent a lot of time in the car together. And a lot <laughs> of the time in that car, we spent listening to books on tape and talking about them. And so um, reading and writing has always been a passion for us. 
and uh, during COVID, nice. Um, you know, when everyone was home and John was home from college, uh, you know, right. and he can speak to this, but as an art major, he wasn't really doing a lot of what he wanted to do. And I was also yeah. reading on FaceTime to our grandchildren and we sort of came up with the idea of what would a book for children look like and how could we bring in our combined efforts and our passions. And right. so Robbie, the dyslexic taxi and the airport adventure was born. Yeah, I definitely want to get into how that, how that all came together for you guys, whose idea it was, the, the motivation to do it. Maybe Jonathan, could you just give me a little bit of your background, maybe just a quick overview, and then I'll ask you some more specific questions as we go. So um, I was born with dyslexia, and for a long time, that was something I, I struggled with. But I went to, as mom mentioned, a school that wasn't exactly close, but specialized yeah. in teaching children with this learning difference. And after a few years of blood, sweat, and tears, I managed to get through and can pretty much read and write just like anyone else. And wow. so I decided, though, during that period of time, the best way for me to express myself was through art. And I continued to do that even after I was remediated. And as mom mentioned, over COVID, I, I went for a BA in college. And during COVID, I had to spend a lot of time at home. And during that period, well, when you're in a figure drawing course and your teacher says, I don't know, write an essay, you kind of <laughs> have to find your own way to create things your way. So I had to flex my creative sure. muscles in a different sort of perspective. And that's where the book kind of came along. We had the idea and I had the time to do it and we both had the motivation to. Wow. It's so nice to hear a positive come out of the pandemic. You know, it was such a, a tragic time, but it's nice yes. to hear that there were some positives that came out of it. And something in a in a book like this that has a great message for people. I love the the simplicity of it and I love how you tell the story with what basically one major event that people can relate to, you know, and it's done in such a way I want to speak more to it later, but just with a compassion. And I think that's as much a lesson to learn from from your story uh, as anything. And there's more, there's a lot more. At what age did reading become a passion for you, Jonathan? So because you had your struggles as a young man, and you went to the school, did you go to the school from first grade on? Or did you get to it later on after going to public schools and having difficulty there? I did go to public school for a few years. And it wasn't until I was seven. Yes, he started in second grade. At... Yeah, but okay. it wasn't until then that I was officially tested and we found out I was pretty much just completely point A dyslexic. So <laughs> when that happened, there was a lot of, we tried to use the public schools, but they weren't really well organized enough to help me. So we went for an actual school that was specifically made for it. And okay. so I was there till I was about through sixth grade. Sixth grade, mm -hmm. yeah. Through sixth, through sixth grade. Okay. What were some of the specific challenges that you had as a dyslexic person? Well, when I was in public school, it was the fact that I was really the only one with it, and therefore that sort of singled me out, sure. and it made me feel really kind of alone and helpless. Right. And a lot of teachers then would go on and say that I was slow or I was just a boy, 
And that leaves an imprint in a person that's hard to get rid of. And so I had to sort of fight my self-doubt a lot. I'm happy to say at this point right. it's it's much less of a thing and you know I've I've overcome a great deal of it but you know when you're young that stuff leaves a bit of an impact yeah yeah it leaves scars for sure did that affect your socialization your your friendships and things like that was it difficult to make friends as a result of that well when i was again in the public school system right. yes but also, I, I would say that's partially also because young kids sometimes have a hard time sticking together. But when I ended up in Windward, which was the mm -hmm. school that I went to for dyslexia, because right. uh, there are so many other children in similar situations to me, it was pretty easy to make friends. I still keep in touch with a good number of the people I met there. That's wonderful. Well, you had a supportive staff, I would imagine, right? Yeah. It's a warm, nurturing community. They mm -hmm. have a really wonderful way of teaching the kids. Uh, it's called the Orton-Gillingham method. And yes. um, the student, you know, the teachers are trained. They have to, they have to, no matter how long they've been teaching, go with the program about two years before they are allowed to actually teach there. And oh. so, and at their small That's classes. Great. Yeah. So we were mm -hmm. very lucky to find it and um, to to, you know, have John be able to go there. And, you know, right. I think he's, I think he now realizes that dyslexia is his superpower. Um, and from that, <laughs> he was given the self-confidence to, to, to grow into the wonderful person and um, illustrator and artist and human being that he is. So it was great that we could send him there. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, often, you know, you find that some of your greatest growth comes from these challenges, right? And you come out yes. of it and you think mm -hmm. when you're in it, this is horrible. Who, <laughs> who needs this? Who wants it? And then you grow out of it and you look back and you see that the person you've become as a result, you know, was a better person. And you realize things about yourself you may not have known existed within you. Lynn, what was your experience as a mom? How was that for you to go through the school system to, to raise Jonathan? What were some of your challenges and some of, the, some, of the, some of the victories that you had, some of the wins? Well, I would say when he was very small, I knew that he was, uh, you know, because he is my youngest of four, and obviously every child, every person has a different learning style. But I could tell mm -hmm. that John just was not understanding what the alphabet was or what letters were. And I knew he was smart, and I just was had no experience with dyslexia. He knew every Thomas the Tank Engine when he was, you know, three, four years old, but not that Thomas started with T. And so I tried to understand what was going on. And, you know, his nursery school teachers is, you know, oh, he's a boy, he's young, he doesn't want to focus, he's slow, he, every excuse in the book. And I hmm. knew none of them were accurate. And um, right. So I started reading a little bit. I, I talked to a good friend who's a pediatrician. I talked to my pediatrician. And we found a wonderful person to test him when he was six. Sure enough, like, as John said, classic dyslexic. And uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. But, you know, even then, now what do we do with that information? I, right. think, I think labels are important to help get the information you need, but they shouldn't be things that hold you back. They should be points to start a growth. And so once mm -hmm. we had a, a, a label, we had to figure out what do we do with that label? How do we best 
educate John. And that, and it took right. a little while. And um, we, we had to try to figure out the best way to do that. Uh, for us, fortunately, the school uh, was something that, that was spoken about. But even then, we had to make a family decision because it was a, right. you know, a far right away. It's you know, not inexpensive. We decided to eat a yeah. lot of peanut butter and jelly. You know, we <laughs> yeah, we sure. decided as a family that we were going to make this commitment because everyone felt it was important for John to learn how to read and write. You you can't really uh, move forward in this world without being you know able to do that. So yeah. uh, we were lucky that as a family we could do this. That's amazing. The family support is incredible. And, you know, it's just a wonderful example of how much a mother's love, how far a mother's love can go, the sacrifices that parents make. Indeed. Uh, yeah. I, I remember late nights seeing her with a book open, trying to decipher what she was supposed to do with this this child with something she'd never really had to face before. Right. She spent a lot of time, the whole family did, but I remember especially those sorts of moments that they just meant the world to me. Wow. What a beautiful story. <laughs> I love it. I mean, you're a very fortunate guy, man. It's great. And obviously... I, I'm always thankful for it. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. All right, let's get into the book a little bit. So the process started during... Well, <laughs> kind of in a way, it started during those road trips, right? It did, actually. It, yeah, there's um, actually... we In hindsight, there was a lot of times that we spent thinking, oh, you know... Maybe there is actually more of a connection. We just thought it was interesting of a cab that couldn't figure out its lefts and rights. But <laughs> in a way, my mom was sort of a taxi to the school <laughs> that I needed right. to get the right was. So I think exactly. that was definitely part of it. We just, we realized once we were working on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. So it didn't come from that necessarily. That wasn't the impetus, but that was a connection you made. Yes. I think a little bit of it definitely <laughs> played into it. Yeah. How did the taxi, well, where did it emanate from, the, the idea of the taxi being dyslexic? Well, we were talking about, um, you know, cartoons and a character. Once we started talking about the idea of a book, we thought, what would be the best way to execute that idea? Mm -hmm. um, and we thought, you know, a, as I said, John had been a Thomas the Tank Engine fan, right. and he loved putting things together and Legos. And so we started, you know, creating some ideas and we thought, what if a car could not get where he needed to go? You know, maybe he had the usual route, didn't have navigation <laughs> in his car, but how right. would he get there? What would he do if he couldn't read the signs? Mm -hmm. And then we thought, well, maybe it could be a cab and maybe there could be a whole community of different kinds of vehicles that might have different learning issues. And mm -hmm. since we knew most about dyslexia, we thought, let's start there and see what happens. And the idea grew. And uh, we started talking and John started doodling. And that's how mm. that's how we came up with Robbie. Mm -hmm. So that's so great. Where did Robbie's name come from? Um, that's actually my middle name is Robert. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, mom wanted me to suggest that I use my first name for this. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted to make a uh, a character that other people could relate to and in a way that wasn't just oh this is the author's persona but i also right. wanted to sort of combine the wishes so i decided to compromise and use robbie instead that's a great compromise yeah yeah <laughs> like that. what um so as you wrote the book 
Did you, how did the language come together? Did you both share that experience together? Did one person dominate more of the writing uh, or kind of how did that flow? I Originally, I was going to be the author and he was going to just do the illustrations. And then mm-hmm. after we talked about it, we quickly realized that John definitely had a point of view and a perspective. So we became co-authors and he was the illustrator because there's no way I could co-illustrate. <laughs> I, I can't do stick figures without them looking kind of silly. So. <laughs> so it was a very much a collaboration. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. How long did the illustrations take for you, John? That's a that's a that's a labor of love, man, to do illustrations for a book. It took if I combine all the time spent on it, like over multiple months. Right. I would say it was about a full month and a half worth of time just condensed in mostly it was because this was our first attempt at doing something like this so there was a lot of unknown terrain that we needed to cross and we've gotten to a point where it's much easier to communicate ideas and drawings and so i think we've gotten to a really good place in that respect did either of you or both of you do any research on writing a children's book prior to doing it to get some guidance and on the style that you wanted to bring to the book, the style in the illustrations themselves and in, and in the, and then the writing itself. I think honestly, it just started as sort of a passion project and we didn't really think it was going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we just started uh, writing and then I have a friend who's a book uh, coordinator and she puts the books together and I showed her and I said, you know, tell me the truth. Do you think this has mm-hmm. legs? And she right. said, absolutely. Or wheels. Or wheels. wheels. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> she said, absolutely. So once we uh, showed her, then we realized we needed a lot more information on page size. And to be right. honest, that was a lot of trial and error. And if we had known sort of now what we did not know back then, I think we would have um, investigated it more. I realized like on social media, there are different groups and pages. So yeah. for us, it was a lot of trial and error because we we really were just having fun with it at the beginning. And we didn't know, we didn't know that we didn't know a lot. So All right. And um, sometimes that's better, right? It's it's more organic in that, in that regard. Yeah. And there's it, it an definitely innocence was, that comes so. to it. Yeah. And so now you know more. Yes, Jonathan, what were you going to say about that? I mean, I will also add that it helps that um, my mom's been reading a lot of (laughs) children's books to my niece and nephew. And so in that respect, she and she'd been doing it for at least four kids prior to that. (laughs) So I'd say she had more than a little bit of background info on what a child might like in sort of a cartoony style. And so yes. her her knowledge definitely colored how Robbie ended up looking, the city around him. And so I put in my own touches, sure. But a lot of that okay. was thanks to mom's background. So that was your your drawings were informed by mom's background. That's great. And was it were your it looks like it was watercolor or maybe some mixed media in there? What did you use to create the illustrations? It is watercolor with like an inking done for the lines, but I also did mm-hmm. do a good amount of digital editing to make it look, you know, a little bit more professional and fill it in so that it would work for the pages. 
I ended up using a page size that was a little too large for the book, so I had to cut it down just a bit. I enjoyed this the the approach to the illustrations because they were relatable to children. There's a simplicity to them, and it makes it kind of fun, and, and I think it draws kids in. The kid in me was drawn in <laughs> by them. Thank you. What I wanted to know was, as you wrote the book, was there a message that you wanted to get across that you wanted people to take from this book, or was it something that you felt was kind of self-explanatory at the beginning, but then had the ability to speak to people however they read it and took from it? Well, the name of our self-publishing group that we've come up with is Empower Publishing, and that's really important to us because we want to make books that show, especially this is targeted for children with dyslexia, and hopefully future books will involve other learning differences and we wanted to show that while some people might tell you that you're different or in my case slow or a boy or however you want to phrase it that you're not and that you can find a way to really put yourself in a place that's really good for you it might not be easy and you might have to find some other ways around it but you can it can be a superpower and we really wanted to show that through the book in that Robbie is incredibly good at problem solving and coming mm -hmm. up with this way to figure out how to get to the airport without being able to read the signs we've definitely had such positive feedback i we've gone to schools to read I last year I read to my grandson's class and and that was first grade at the time and you know mm -hmm. kids are just learning how to read so I think it appeals to people not just who are dyslexic but it sparks a conversation what is dyslexia yeah. what does it mean I think mm -hmm. it's important for children to understand that differences are okay I think it's important for teachers right. who don't know a lot about it to start understanding. And the feedback's been so great that we've decided, as John started to mention, that we're going to do a whole series. Um, Robbie works for the Creative Cab Company, so we're going to have the Creative Cab Company be the series and use other neurodivergent issues and speak to them. Because especially uh, children and people who are, have some neurodivergent part of their makeup I think they feel that they haven't seen themselves out there in yeah. children's books or, you know, yes. mm -hmm. just spoken of in right. positive terms. And, and our passion was to really make everyone feel accepted. So we're hoping mm -hmm. that that's what we do with this book. That's always been something that I've been interested in, too, because I enjoy writing myself. And, and um, not going to make this about me, but the idea of putting out books for kids that that are relatable because you're they're not represented uh, in society. No. And as you just even looking at how the teachers reacted to Jonathan, reacted to you as a, a small boy and, and saying that you're a boy. I mean, I mean, these are fairly sort of pathetic excuses to be giving, right? Um, without are. delving into what's going on for the specific person. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the thing that's missing is the fact that there's so many kids. It's very difficult, but everybody needs to be respected as an individual and we all come from our own places. And so I'm glad that you found your way. And I'm so glad that you found a school that was supportive and that you had an amazing family, but not everybody has that advantage. Yeah. So to be able to have a book like this and an upcoming series, which I'm excited to, to see is, is a way for them to get some, 
self-esteem and to realize, okay, I may have this problem, but I'm just as important and significant as anyone else. And I've got my own superpowers, whatever they may end up being. We went back to the Windward School and John read, and the kids treated him like a rock star. It was amazing. You know, <laughs> we have your autograph, and we love this. And what's your awesome. next book? And it was terrific. And his friends, you know, who have gone on to become successful engineers and mathematicians, but they've all they've all been able to uh, feel confident wow. enough to find their path. And so we're hoping, in some yeah. small way, that maybe the book helps people who don't have a windward to to see themselves in a positive light. I mm-hmm. remember that when I was still in public school, I did get a special ed like tutor sort of of things at the school mm-hmm. had it. And at a certain point she she told us that she really couldn't help with the resources she had. There was no malice in that, but mm-hmm. it just, you know, there's only so much some people can do and sure. We just want to help what little we can. And we really think this book might be a solution, or not even a solution, but a help for people who are desperately looking for something. Another step in the path, right? Um, Brick in the wall, (laughs) whatever it is. to (laughs) To build, yeah, to keep building and supporting. How long did it take to complete the book, start to finish? Um... (laughs) Uh, that is a complicated answer because we've got we like made one version then we did another version then we published one other version now we're doing um hopefully a spanish translate so there's been a lot of variants of publishing publication um i'd say if we go with the first time we put it out there it took about three months maybe different publishing sites if you're going to self-publish, um, we didn't know this. They one wants it, you know, nine by five, and one wants sure. it eight by eleven, and and so yeah. it just gets very complicated that way. And and we didn't know, so that was definitely a learning curve. And like John said, now now that we know a little more, um, we are actually having Robbie translated into Spanish. So wow. um, and working on our next book. Oh, so you've started the next book. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's great. Any hint? <laughs> or you want to keep it to yourself? It's okay. You don't have to expose I it. I will tell you that the next book will be about ADHD. We decided there's so many um, comorbidities to neurodivergence. And we have seen so many dyslexics who also have ADHD. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in general, there are plenty of people who are now uh, tested and know they have ADHD. So we thought this would be an... Yeah next good step and that's what we're working on there have been many times when i was reading one of the jokes i would tell to the kids was that when they asked what what's next and i mentioned adhd and they're like oh yeah i me too (laughs) stay it's me (laughs) me 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 like everyone's hand shoots up (laughs) yes (laughs) so funny yeah. What one of the things i loved and we touched on it in the book were the characters the supportive characters and it was such a great reinforcer of how important a support system is. And again, not everybody has the support no. system. Uh, and so, but showing the importance of the support system by having, um, we got Alice and the dispatcher and Sammy the mechanic and, and then all the other cars and trucks and things like that. It was a community and yes. it was a place that, that Robbie could feel comfortable with and trust. And I think those are the biggest 
biggest things we can give to kids is that sense. Well, we decided uh, trust um, while and, we were talking about it, um, uh-huh. and we will add other characters. But we did use um, family names. Everyone in the family. Um, is, That's I wanted to ask you that. <laughs> so yeah, we we yeah. used everyone in the family as part. Well, not everyone. Part we did as the as many as we could, and as we go on, yeah. we're going to use other family members because. Right now in our family, just my, you know, the immediate family, there are 11 of us. So um, wow. <laughs> well, with, with more on the way. So we're, we're working on trying to add um, new characters so that everyone feels as included as we want them to be, included. you know, which is perfect. That's great. That's, Thank you. Yeah, that's probably at least two more books, right? <laughs> at oh, least. Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> so Jonathan. You're, you have a passion for, for art, you have a, and, and the passion for writing came later? When I was younger and unable to read, there was sort of this, I guess, urge to be able to. I wanted to know what I was missing out on. And then when I was remediated, I kind of jumped on the chance. Uh, so I've been very interested in reading, I guess, the whole time I've been around. It's just that I wasn't able to really exercise that ability till I was at least 13-ish. No, 12. Oh, yeah. A little younger. Than that. I would but, say by the time you finished mm-hmm. at Windward. But like, just the second I figured out how words, letters connected to one another, I, I jumped on like the children books that I had in my room, but I'd just been able to sort of figure out the meaning by looking at the pictures, but couldn't read the words. So the second right. I was able to. You just yeah. devoured them. Yeah. John, John yeah. read as much as he could from the minute he started to be able to read. So he enjoyed it. I think when we were in the car a lot, we listened to books on tape and we'd start and stop them and have conversations. So reading and writing has always been a passion in this family. And he was happy mm-hmm. to, to join that bandwagon as well. You know, the book in and of itself is a wonderful thing, but it, what it does also is it it allows the opportunity for Jonathan for you to get out there and speak to people and to be able to touch people with your story and then to be able to have them tell their story to you and you listen and share. And I think that's the bonus, right? That yeah, connections are everything in this community and just being able to make them and learn new things is incredibly important. And the, And what you can give to a child growing up having those struggles the confidence that you can give them and the hope that you give them is, uh, is amazing. Lynn, can you share uh, anything with parents who have gone through what you've gone through raising a son like Jonathan? Um, some Maybe like a, a tip or something that you can help give them some hope and some, some guidance with. I would say it's very important, I think, to uh, not allow your personal feelings to get involved. If I think it's really important to listen to your child, uh, to really hear what they say, but also to watch their nonverbal cues. Um, you know, the teachers would say that he's, you know, not not smart, not working. You know, he can't sit still. What what's going on? And I think I think those were all calls for attention from John, and I I knew. I knew that he was a smart child yeah. and I knew that he was struggling. And I think his inability to sit still was not just his ADHD, but his frustration. And I think it's very important for parents to sort of block out the noise and to really listen to their child and try to see what that particular child needs. 
everyone learns differently. But I think in this case, when you see that a child isn't learning to read or or can't do math or something, I, I think it's important to try to then push on and see if you can find out answers. And it might not be in your school. You might mm-hmm. need to try to go out into the world and find a community. You know, on Facebook, I know that there are platforms that that we didn't have back then. Um, And I just think that is a very important way to feel not alone, to start talking about it and understanding. Absolutely. Did you find, were there any support groups for you, like parents support groups that you were involved in or Um, available? In the the town we live and in the community, not really um, at the time, but, you know, this is also 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago. And sure. I think I think times have changed, and I think people may not know particularly about dyslexia, but there's more conversation about neurodivergent issues. It's right. not not for some, not as shunned, but still, um, you know, I think people often look at this negatively, and unfortunately, there was no, which is ridiculous, but yes. there was no community until we went no to right. Windward. Um, and then there was everybody was in the same boat, sharing similar stories, and that was a positive. And now mm-hmm. I'm finding through this book that there are so many other communities online, um, probably in different in different towns and cities. But right. um, I think it's important to try to find it because back then it wasn't until I found a specific school that I yeah. could find parents to talk to. Right. In a way, she's sort of become a bit of a People have come to her now for mm-hmm. information and just help, and she's always so happy to do that. So That's in fantastic. respect, she's sort of become one of those resources. Which has yeah. been great. I feel happy to be able to do that because it's a little scary. You know, differences sure. can be scary until you start understanding that that's not necessarily true. Right? And so right. I'm, I've yes. been lucky to be able to talk to people and share share our story. And they're lucky to have found you. Thanks. I think that uh, who knows where the stuff leads, right? The fact that you're out there now and, and people know about you and find you, who knows where that takes you in your next step and your evolution as, as, as a person. Well, too. it's also because people like you want to talk to us about it. So thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's such a, a delight really to speak with, you, with the both of you and to meet you. I've had a lot of experts in the field and things like that, but I want to get people who are actually living the life, you know, to be able to share their experiences. And this is such a positive way to deal with your experiences and to share and to help other people. Where can people find this book? You can find them online wherever books are sold. And you can go, we sell in some local bookstores. A few local libraries have our book in stock to take out. And also you can go into any Barnes & Noble or anything and request it to be ordered and they will have it sent to them. And also, if you go to our website, the creativecabcompany.com, um, we give a list of places where you can buy them. There's a QR code that can lead you there. So, And on social media, it's also the Creative Cab Company. Um, you can DM us. You can send us messages through the website, and we're happy to point people in the right direction. I wanted to ask you one more question, and I wanted to ask it earlier, and I, and I didn't too, but you mentioned Creative Cab Company. How did you come up with, with that? That was a joint decision. 
we wanted to come up with a taxi name for the company so that we could continue on with these stories and talk more about it. But we didn't just want it to be dyslexia. And that's where mom's idea kind of came into play. We thought, what is what is John? What are neurodivergent, you know, different issues? And they're all creative. I mean, they figure mm. their ways in and out of problems. They problem solve. Um, so we wanted it to be a, a positive message. And we thought that Creative Cab Company, you know, as much as our, our Empower Publishing, the company that published it, we wanted people to feel empowered and, and creative. So that's how we came up with the names. I hope that you'll come back on when your next book is, is published. We can talk about that one. Would that be... Be all right. Oh, we'd love, we'd love to. to. Thank yeah, you so much. That would be really terrific. Thanks. This has been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Same here. I wish you all the best with everything that you do. I, it's such a positive and to spread that kind of uh, kind of message to people. I'm so grateful to have met you and I look forward to following your your careers and having you back on. Thank you. Thank we'd you. love to. We really appreciate the time and we look forward to speaking with you again. Great. Okay, well, have a happy new year, and I'll speak Thank to you, you soon. Thank you. Okay, take care. I want to thank you again for listening to this episode, and I hope you'll join me each week to hear about topics new to you or close to your heart. I hope this podcast might inspire you to face your days more confidently, stirring a greater sense of self-love, mindfulness, an outpouring of goodness, and positive role modeling for your children, while remembering to attend to the areas of your own mental, physical, and if you're inclined, spiritual health, enabling you to be all you hope to be for them. All music heard on today's show comes from Jason Shaw at Audionautics.com. Remember to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Special Ed Rising, and on my website, specialedrising.com. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends. You can contact me directly with questions, comments, or if you're interested in parent training through my email, specialadvising at gmail.com, or my contact pages on Facebook or my website. Also, let me know if there's anything you'd like to learn more about. And until next time, Happy New Year and peace and keep rising.